So as you can see on our screen, we're going to be in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47 this morning, and, and it's, but it's going to be a while before we get there. I, I tell you, I've got so much to, I've, I've got to so much to say today. I don't know, <laughs> I don't really know for sure exactly where to start. Uh, I, I, I think I believe I kind of said last week, either a roundabout or full-fledged on, is that I, I'm completely convinced, without a doubt, that my calling, that my calling in this life from all the days forward, from the time that God saved me from who I was until my last breath, I think that my calling specifically is to encourage the church. And, and, and by doing that, what I want to do is encourage the church to embrace and then really execute all that God has in store for each and every one of us individually, but really more powerfully as a corporate body of believers. So encourage the church to embrace, believe who we are, walk in the power of the Spirit, not in our own temporal thinking or, or limitations, but fully know that behind, with the power of the Holy Spirit that indwells us as individuals and as a church, there, there's no limits to what we can do if we can just get past our limitations that we've put on ourselves. So we started last week then with this sermon series, The Church, and I don't know for sure how long it's going to last. I really don't. I have no clue. Maybe next time, uh, maybe December. <laughs> I, I, I just do not know. Uh, all I know is today I have so much to say that I don't know if I can fit it all in here. The reason I get so, and I'll tell you more as we get through here, and maybe I can get it somehow put together so it'll make a, 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 a good flow. But, you know, to this point this year, since the beginning of the year, we've gone through some sermon series already, right? Um, um, where do we go from here? And, and remember, you know, that was Luke. We spent so many weeks in just Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. And, and it's just like, where are we? And, and what does God desire in our lives? And I hope if, I'll repeat it again, you know, I hope what you found is that God wants you to go deeper, go further than you are right now. And, and, and I, I promised you, and Scripture promises you, that when you do, you'll be utterly astonished. I, I didn't know how many times Scripture says astonished. In, in the New Testament we read, and if you're following along in our, in our scriptural readings in, in, through Matthew so far, how many, have, you read, have you seen that word astonished? It, in my mind it just keeps repeating over and over the moment that God is involved in our lives in a, in, in a way that we get past that, once again, those limitations of our own, we are astonished what he's done, and he says, take it out deeper. Our sermon series came to the point where it was like, when we do, we have no recourse than to leave all else behind and be true disciples and follow. And I wonder if that is what our church looks like. And when, I'm not, when I say our church, I, I, I'm not speaking of Miller Christian. I'm speaking of the capital T, the capital C church. And if we, even if we narrowed it down to what does our U.S. Cultural, Christian culture look like? Does, does it look like Luke chapter 5, 1 through 11, that people are walking around going, oh my gosh, 
I cannot believe what God has done in my life. I can't believe what he's doing in my family. I can't believe what he's doing in the church. Or is it something more, much, much, much more limited and watered down and almost unrecognizable from what God wants our churches to look like? Not only in the first century, not only in this few verses, but always and forevermore people, his people going, I'm astonished. I simply cannot believe what our good God has done. And so my calling, if, if I can say that, is just that. Not to just move you, but to allow God to move me, not just one time when I got saved, but every day, every breath that God moves me. And so I'm walking around and, and I'm just this beacon of hope for the lost. It's everywhere. All day long, the people that we run across. How are we presenting our belief and what we say we, we are hoping in, the, I'm hoping in the resurrection. And we say, oh yeah, you know, what's up with those corn prices, huh? It's not bad. That's normal conversation. But what does our churches look like? And, and I already, I got too much to say today. We come back next week? Our Christian culture. I think we'll just go to that focus scripture. And so this is where I want to start this morning. Just with this, um, Matthew chapter 12, verse, verse uh, 6. And if you've been following along, you, have, you read that just recently. And what it, the verse that I want to pick out of there is Jesus is standing in a field. And it's a Sabbath day, all right? And, and if you read along, you know this one I'm going to. He's standing, hey, what do you think about that picture there? Does that record, you guys recognize that place? Nice PowerPoint, Sanj. So, Jesus is standing in a field, and once again he's being accosted by the religious people of the day. What's the problem with them today is that this is the Sabbath and Jesus and his disciples are walking through a field and they're picking grain and they're eating and all this. And the Pharisees are just appalled at what is taking place on the Sabbath day. And they say, look, what are your disciples doing things like that on the Sabbath when everybody knows full well that this isn't the way it's supposed to be? And Jesus says, oh, my goodness. All your worries, all your concerns are tied up in these rituals that you've believed and you've tarnished or, or you've watered down and you've made it in just a, a, a something that God made beautiful in the beginning and man took it and, and they, they just turned it into something that's unrecognizable. And that's what when Jesus came to earth, that's what the, the faith that God has established clear back in the New Testament in Exodus and Genesis and all that stuff and carved out of people. And now they're complaining to God himself because he was picking grain on a Sunday or a Sabbath. Excuse me. Isn't that something? It, it, it is something when you, when you consider that while God himself walked this earth, Jesus Christ, he, he, he comforted the sick and the lonely, right? He, he healed the, the, the lame and the blind. He coaxed sinners and, and cared for them and loved them in the way that it should be. And the religious people of the time, he railed against. 
Isn't that something? And it wasn't so much that he he disagreed. You know, it wasn't because of their erroneous theology, but it was their hard hearts that said, this is the box that we put God in and our church in and our beliefs in, and we will not grow, we will not change, we will not accept anything other than what my limited vision has said, this is what God is going to do in my life. And Jesus just went, why? And so this is just the picture that Angie put up here. If Jesus was standing out there on the street and looking in here, what would he see? What would he experience if he walked through that door? People who were willing to just say, whatever God takes us, whatever the Spirit puts on my heart, I'm going to take it and I'm going to run. And nothing will ever be the same again. Not because I heard great music or or a, a message that sounded okay. Because I know that God is a miracle worker. And there's absolutely nothing that he cannot accomplish with people who say yes. And so he railed against the Pharisees of that day and said, you will not change. And because of that, you will not make it to heaven. And neither will any of the people that are listening to your message on any given Sabbath. I wonder what Jesus would say if he stood out there and judged our church. I'm not saying anything. Please, please hear this. I'm not standing here saying you guys are are falling short. But in this church series, I hope what we can all do is take an honest look at ourselves. Me. And on the way up this morning, I tell Angie, it's like, baby, ah, sometimes these messages... They have to pass through my heart before they come out my lips and you hear them. And so sometimes during the week, I feel like I just got pounded. And this is one of them. Because sometimes I look at my life and I say, this is all the further that God can take this old body. And what a sin and what a shame. And I wonder if I ever get called a Pharisee by my Savior. Change. Change. Constant change. Constant belief in what God can do in our lives. I, 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 we will get to that passage in a moment, but I, I tell you, this is March 8th. March 8th. And this is a pivotal anniversary for me. Believe it or not, 21 years ago this morning, I was in Amarillo, Texas. This day. March 8th. And because my niece had been injured in a car accident, she was in a coma in a, in a hospital down there, and my sister asked if I would please come down and just be with her and do just be there, really. And so a day or two ago, I drove down to Texas, and, and, I, and I checked into a Ronald McDonald house because my sister's daughter was a minor at the time, and she was in, in bad shape. And so on this morning, 21 years ago, I woke up a different man. Brand new man. 
Because the night before I'd went to bed and the weight of the world, not just my knees, but all the things that I'd done the previous 41 years was just pressing down on me. And, and, and during that week, the couple days that I'd been there, this, these people in this hospital, God brought me to this specific place for a specific purpose with a specific group of people. And everybody I talked to kept coming up and saying, what, what, why are you here in this, in this intensive care unit waiting room? And I would say, well, my niece is in there and this is what happened. And they would say, oh man, let me pray with you. Or, or, you know, my family, my, my dad is in there, or my wife or my child is in there. But here's what you need to know. I have confidence that whatever takes place under the doctor's hand, that my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is going to care for them much better than I ever could. And I would say, you, you, you're crazy. And so on March 7th, I went to bed and I said, Lord, if this, I didn't say Lord. I said, if this is real, you need to prove it to me. And I went to bed and this morning, 21 years ago, I woke up and I felt like I'd slept for 20 years and everything, the moment I had consciousness, everything, absolutely everything in my life had changed and I knew it. This is a big day for me. And it was because of those people that were down in that emergency room were hearing God's voice in their lives and they had every opportunity to speak to somebody and it was me. Why? I was accosted by these believers. A simple prayer. A loving God. A miracle in my life. So it's important for you to know that I wasn't an atheist. I was, in fact, I was very much like the Pharisees. I thought I had all of my ducks in order because I was brought up into this works-related theology that said all I had to do is get these boxes checked, man, and everything was going to turn out. Hopefully, if the, if, the, if the circumstances were right on that last day and somebody threw some water on me or something... I might make it to heaven. I was not an atheist, but I was completely illiterate in the ways of the faith, the born-again understanding of what God requires. And all He requires is someone who says, I am not skilled to understand what God has willed, what God has planned. I only know at His right hand stands the one who is my Savior. And if you're real, please come into my life because all these people have been speaking to me for two days and you will not let up with that message. And my life was changed. I was so illiterate that I thought I had stumbled upon something that absolutely nobody had ever heard of before. I thought this feeling that I had and this recognition of change and nothing was ever going to be the same again was something that nobody had ever heard of. And so I came back to Nebraska and people that I'd known for all my life, 20 years I worked with these folks and I was different and I was telling them, it's like, man, you ain't going to believe what happened to me. I said this simple prayer and bam, everything changed. And they're like, whoa, what happened to this guy? And they would turn away because they didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to see it. They didn't want to even know about it. And so I thought, well, I must just be saying this wrong. And I'd say, stop, stop. You need to hear this because this is real. There's nothing in my 
body that would tell me anything other than the reality of what happened. And so I would not let them get away without telling them. I tell all this story because I think that must have been what it would be like on our scripture reading today. And so that next slide ends is where we want to be. We're not going to quite, we'll get to that devoted themselves in a minute, but that's all that's on your bulletin insert this week. You guys recognize that picture? Some more than others. If, if you know the background of these verses in chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, you know it was Pentecost. Jesus Christ himself had risen bodily to heaven. He looked at the 11 or whatever group of guys, terrified. Everything in their life had changed, and it was changing even more, because now the one that they've given everything to is said, I'm out of here. And it's in your hands. And you're going to be my disciples. And you're going to tell people, not just in town, but in the state and, and in the neighboring states. And then really the whole world, it's on your shoulders, I'm out. But don't worry, because the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And when he does, you'll have all power. Do you remember the time in your life that was Pentecost Day? Were you stunned? Were you astonished? Did you know that nothing was ever going to be the same again? Because that's what was going on in chapter 2 of Acts. The Holy Spirit comes upon these guys who just a couple weeks before were hiding out in rooms with the doors locked and were scared to death. And now they were standing in all of Jerusalem saying, you guys crucified God. Change. They changed. They brought about change. They spoke of change. And they couldn't believe what was happening. They were astonished. And they told everybody that they met what had happened in their life. And they met together as a church. And it says this, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, right? There's that word again, really. They were astonished. They were astonished. Does that describe you in your walk today? In your, in your families, in this church? Why would it be any different? Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. They couldn't stay away from each other even one single day because they were devoted. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Is that possible today? Is that possible today? Not only to end it with that, the Lord added to their number daily, but can we be a devoted people that walk around in awe of what God has done in our lives? Fully, fully confident that He's about ready to do more miracles if only I take a step. If only if I tell some heathen in the ICU unit that it's going to be okay. 
If only I believe that God is the worker of miracles. I tell you, I read, I came back to Nebraska and I had this unique job that I read the entire Bible in three months. It was kind of a wild thing. I didn't have much going on in my life. But there's five different verses in the Bible. Psalm 51, Isaiah 6, Philippians 3, Matthew chapter 6, and this set of verses. I remember the first time I read each and every one of those as a spirit-filled believer, and I'm just reading along like I'm reading a novel, and I would hit this section, this verses, and I would just tear up. And, and, And I didn't know why, and I never could quite get it at the time. It's like, what is this stuff? Why can I be reading along and reading all this kind of stuff, but this little passage, those specific five, made me just burst into tears and I didn't understand, but as time has gone by, all these years, I finally get it. I got to this section in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, and it spoke about the love and the care that these people had in these churches and how much they wanted to just invest in the, in the belief that God is powerful and wonderful and, and all the things that they did and the Lord added their number daily. And because I didn't know anything about the Christian faith, I thought, man, every church I walk into is going to be just like that. And so you see my calling and my burden is to ask churches, why isn't it? How can we approve on it? Not be defeated and say, oh man, we're off track and and it's a bummer or anything like that, but say, okay, if if God says that this can happen, then how can we get on board What do we need to do in our lives as personal individuals in order to invest in the corporate? And then not only that, but how can lives be changed in this exact fashion? Something greater than the temple is here. Jesus told the religious people of the day. Something greater. Him. God Himself came to earth. And now we are the people that have carved out. We are the church. We are the bride of Christ. We are the hands and feet. We are the body. How does that look? How does it look? What do you suppose the difference of that period of time, that first church, what do you think it looked like? It was so different than today. We started out talking about the U.S. cultural Christianity that we have today. Do do, do you think that it looked, in those days, do you think that people, that that these guys were walking down the streets and they were like, hey man, all you really got to do is take an altar call and let's just say a sinner's prayer and everything will be great. And then that you can punch your clock and you get to go to heaven and all's cool and then we'll get back to our jobs 
and, and we'll start talking about the weather again. Do you think that that's what it looked like? And, and, and is that what our faith looks like now? How do we look as a Christian people? Because I can imagine down the streets of, of, of Jerusalem during after Pentecost when all this was taking place, these people are walking around going, oh my goodness. How could it be different? Well, I, I think there's probably many, many things that it was much different. But, but I'd like you to just, maybe this week, and we'll talk about it more as the weeks go by and and please, I still just want to once again repeat, this isn't God's opportunity or my um, desire to say, you guys really are really lacking a lot. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. What the scripture told me this week when I looked through it and studied, and, and I looked back at my 21 years, <laughs> and once again, this passage is doing me tear up. Because I look at my own life and, and, and the, the, what I've plugged into churches and I've fallen far short of the glory of God that can happen in places just like this if we're willing to embrace and, enchain, and change and listen to the Spirit and move. And so these things that I talk about, I'm hoping is an encouragement for us to say, yep, maybe this is something. Maybe that old... Buzzard's got something going now. I don't know. I think there's a lot of differences in our church today compared to the church at Pentecost. But maybe there's three things that we could just kind of, in our very short time that we have left, that we could kind of plug in maybe and start thinking about and praying about this week. And one of the things I think, in a great degree, that was different, this picture than today is the great number of people, 3,000, right? 3,000 people in one sermon got saved. Is that a miraculous God? Absolutely. Could it happen today? Absolutely. One of the things that was different was all these people that got born again at the same time, and so the streets were flooded with people who were astonished who couldn't believe what had taken place. All I was doing, I was standing there, and this guy named Peter stood up and accused me of crucifying God. And the next thing I knew, I started feeling different. And the voice inside of me said, this is all true, you did crucify him because of your sins, but the good news is if you believe in him, you will be forgiven, and forevermore your life will be, what is the word, changed? And they're telling people, and they're just like an ICU unit in Amarillo, Texas, and they were saying, man, did you hear what I said? Everything can change if you just believe. And those people were everywhere on the streets of Jerusalem, and so I have to ask you, why aren't those people everywhere on the streets of Nebraska? Because there's a whole lot more people that claim salvation today than there was on that day. And so why are people not hearing of the miracle of faith in Jesus Christ? Why aren't they hearing about it on this corner and they're like, whoa, crazy person, walk down the street another block and here comes another one and another one and another one. 
until they're in a room and they fall down on their knees and they look at their life and they say, man, if you're real, I need some of that. The reason I have this calling, I'm sure of it, is God's exposure to me personally. And so you have to ask yourself a couple of things. Have we relegated this miraculous, incredible thing that we say that we believe that God came in human form, came on this earth, suffered, died, buried, and rose again for me? Have we taken that and made it into a simple altar call and said, hurrah? When it was meant to be so very much more than that. And that's what the people on the streets see. Do we still get so astonished that we engage others and say, you know, you ain't going to believe what happened to me. Do we still want to tell that old, old story? Or is it something that was, oh, 21 years ago, that was such a long time ago. I love this anniversary, and I thank God that he took me because I'm such a hard-headed person and imprinted this day on my mind so I can never forget. So every year on March 8th, I can look at my life and go, that was real. You will never convince me that what happened during my night when I was asleep, God took this sinner and transformed me into something that he calls righteous. And then I look back at my year 20 and now my year 21 and go, oh my gosh, I've fallen far, far short of what God desires in my life. And why is that? And I look at it as an encouragement and a challenge to maybe in the year 22, I can believe in miracles again. And because of that, maybe I can tell someone else and they'll go, are you kidding me? And then there's two of us. (laughs) And then they tell somebody else and there's four. And pretty soon there's 16 people in Miller who's walking around the streets going, you ain't going to believe what happened to me. And that's what took place in Jerusalem that day. And that's one of the things that's different. The other thing I've already mentioned that I think was different is that because it was so fresh on their minds, they would never let it forget. They absolutely positively believed in miracles. They didn't read the COVID-19 headlines and say, oh my goodness, we're all doomed. They say, how is God working through this? And how can I engage? How can I plug in? Because he's doing something big and I want to be a part of it because they believed in miracles. Do we still believe in miracles in our lives? And do we believe in miracles in this place? And do we believe in miracles for our country and the world? But more important than that, do we believe in miracles when the life of just one sinner is changed and all of heaven, Scripture says, rejoices Do we believe that miracles can happen? If if, if you, this is just almost a side note. If you're reading the scripture through the gospel through the before Easter, then you would have read Matthew 13, 58. Jesus comes to his hometown when everybody knew who he was. And and he says, the scripture says that he couldn't do, he didn't do many miracles there because of why? Their lack of belief. The people that saw him do things that were just amazing put it into human terms and said, well, isn't this the carpenter's kid? We know his brothers and his sisters. This can't be. I I know what he did to that blind guy. 
but it must have been the smoke and mirrors. It must have been some magic. This can't be. And so I wonder in our lives if we've tampered it and watered it and put it into our box again so much that Jesus really can't do many or won't do or can't do or may not be doing many miracles through us because we simply do not believe in them anymore. And finally, and this is the last one that I want you to consider this week, and believe me, we'll talk about this some more, and I hope you come back. Or maybe my preaching style isn't for you. But man, if you never see me again, think about this. I think one of the most key differences between that church and the churches of the United States cultural Christianity today is this verse right here. They devoted themselves. They devoted themselves to so many different things in those scriptures. Do you you ever... I like definitions just to bring clarity. Do you know the word devoted? Do you know what that means? Devoted means a focused train of thought. An undisturbed um, devotion would be, um, there's like, so the entire west wing of the building was devoted to his artwork, right? If you open this door to the west wing of this place, there would be no other artwork there except for this one specific person. Their lives was a door you would open up, and these people were completely, entirely, without stop, focused and devoted to the Savior that they said they believed in. How many times can we say that we are 100% on board and devoted? In our lives, we say that it's very difficult to have all these different things that's going on and stay focused on the one thing. It's kind of like that we've accepted something that's almost like a Burger King mentality in Christianity today. I want to have my Savior, but I want it my way. Hold the onions, double up on the pickles. And then I'll come to your church. I just don't think anybody was thinking that way on Pentecost. I I, I think that everybody was so devoted to the Lord that they looked past each other's failings and stumblings and misgivings and weaknesses and erroneous theologies. And they didn't have time for hacking on each other because they were so convinced that God is doing something big. And they just couldn't wait to get out of that temple and that meeting because they'd learned something more and they wanted to pass it on. In, in, in the coming weeks, I want to kind of look at this passage for a while. And we'll take it apart and, and see what it means to be devoted to the apostles' teaching. To devoted to the sharing, to devoted to eating and breaking bread, to devoted to all the things of the church so they can devote entirely and 100% focused in the life 
and the and, and the salvation of the of Jesus Christ. And so the time is up, and and so I'll I'll end this with this verse, this uh, closing scripture for today. I know that uh, this is a uh, this is the voice. Psalm fifty-one. Remember, I said this is another place that I got to, where I was reading through the scriptures, and it just busted me. And here I was, this guy. I thought I was tougher than nails, and all this kind of stuff. And, and and thank goodness I was at a place where I could be reading scripture, and nobody could see me because I I don't know how I would have responded to tears when I read these things. Give back to me the delight of being saved by you. Let your spirit sustain me. And if you do, I promise to teach rebels your way and help sinners find their way back to you. Isn't that a beautiful, beautiful passage? Lord, help me remember 21 years ago today when I woke up. (laughs) And I was astonished. Come back with your spirit. And fill me in such a way that I I can't wait to leave my room. I can't wait to get back to Nebraska and tell all my friends. Give me the strength and the confidence. Give me the wisdom and the grace so I too can, can help the rebels, the people that haven't quite heard yet. Because I know that you're calling them just like you call me. Is that the way our church looks? Because it's not the voice of a preacher or a great story of, of someone who got saved in the McDon- Ronald McDonald room. It's the voice of disciples and the church and people who believe in miracles and people who care enough to pass that miraculous, incredible, never-ending story of God's love on to others. Can we pray? Father in heaven, thank you for this day. I, I, I thank you for my salvation. I thank you for these people. I thank you for the opportunity for the 21st time to tell my story. God, you're good and you're wonderful, and I know you work miracles. God, I ask you to work a miracle in my heart. Continue to change me and call me forward. Continue to break my heart with your word. Continue to put me in awe of what you're doing. God, move us as a congregation. Move us as a people to once again know what it was like for you to walk into our lives and just be astonished. Keep pushing us to go deeper, God. Let us never be the Pharisees of this time and refuse to change. But in fact, let us be the people of Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Help us somehow to do things right so in some time in the future we can look down and say, I do not believe it. But somehow the Lord is adding to our number though daily those who He is saving. Let us be your hands, let us be your feet, let us be the body, let us be your bride. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Hey guys, thanks for checking us out here today. If you'd like to learn more, just visit us at www.millerchristianchurch.org. Thank you guys, see you later.
Hey guys, thanks for checking us out here today. If you'd like to learn more, just visit us at www.millerchristianchurch.org. Thank you guys. See you later.